Hello and welcome to the Hot House Transplants podcast. I am your host, Matt Duffy. Thank you so much for joining me today. We are talking with the men and women who contributed to the Hot House Transplants book released back in 1997, over 25 years ago. You can see our website, hothousetransplants.com. That's where all the episodes are going to be released, the past ones, the future ones. I would encourage you, if you haven't, go back and listen to the first couple of episodes of the podcast. It's going to tell you a lot about why we're doing the podcast, and especially it's going to tell you about what the original Hot House Transplants book was about and why we did it in the first place. I hope you enjoy this episode, and thank you so much again for listening. Thank you so much for joining me for this. I am excited to hear what you have to share. I know we have talked a little bit about the different experiences we've had and the different perspectives we've had. Mine are very different from my brother's. Mine are definitely going to be different than yours. So I can't wait to hear what you have to share with us all. Yeah, I think so. this is going to be kind of a fun discussion because you were kind of distanced. You know, your your oldest brother was you know, frightfully aware of what was going on, had concerns that you didn't didn't dream of because it was such a new thing when we started. And I mean, you don't he have... He was more aware of it. Yeah, he when we started, you know, it was such a new thing to be homeschooling. Uh, nobody else was doing it that he knew. And his friend down the street told him he was going to get arrested and sent to jail. <laughs> and, really? Yeah, really. And you d- had no sense of that. I didn't even know he'd been told that for years. You know, he just dropped it casually a few years down the road. And, oh, no, you've been worrying about going to jail. <laughs> Like, hey, mom, are the police going to come take me away at some point if we're homeschooling? Yeah, it was a very real concern to him, something you wouldn't have experienced. So different perceptions, depending on where you were in the pecking order. Well, I think that's and that's part of what's so interesting now is here we are, you know, 40 years later and people don't realize what it was like back then, because right now it seems it's so easy. There's so much available that it's almost like a choose your own adventure thing. It's what do you want? Do you want basically school, partially school tutorials completely at home or everything in between? It's all available. And there's no sense of, Oh, the police are going to come and take my child away. Uh, Pretty much at all. Maybe there's some areas that that concept is out there, but I, as far as I can tell, that's not existent anymore. So at least not in the United States, (laughs) other countries. Yes. Sure. 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 So then if you could maybe, because you've already started doing that anyways, what can you paint a picture sort of what it was like? We've already talked about that sense of fear of the legality, but there was, I know there was so much about the culture. So can you sort of paint a picture? What was it like 35, 40 years ago when you decided that this was maybe the option or opportunity for our family? Yeah. Homeschooling wasn't on, on anybody's radar, hardly. It was something that some of the uh, you know, really radical fringe, you know, uh, we don't pay taxes, we don't do anything, you know, we just you hide in the woods. Or some, those kind of people were homeschooling, and just a few others. So it was uh, very fringe at that time. And it, it wasn't something we, we were talking about, I think, until really the early 80s, probably 81, 82. We started in 82, but people weren't even talking about it. I think Dr. Raymond Moore kind of brought it onto people's radar when he wrote, um, he wrote a book, what's it, uh, Homegrown Kids. I think it came out in 81. And so there was a buzz in Christian circles about it. And he was, you know, going around talking about it. He had written other books better late than early. Uh, he was a proponent of waiting to teach children to read until they were older. And so homeschooling fit in very well with his philosophy of education. So he kind of segued into this homeschool movement. Uh, But even Dr. Moore, when he first started talking about it, had the idea that people might homeschool through the elementary grades, but of course they would put them into high school. (laughs) Nobody would continue doing this through high school. So Uh, There wasn't a lot of information. Uh, The information that I found when we first started looking at it was all from growing without schooling, uh, the John Holt unschooling uh, movement. And so, you know, again, tended toward more of the 
that, you know, I've, I don't know what some people would keep consider fringe, but, you know, maybe not so much. Uh, but that was, that was where the information about homeschooling was coming from. And it was, you know, really hard to find, not, you know, not readily available. So this is late seventies, early eighties. Early eighties, okay. because it was a big, it was really a, a just a, like a space of a year or so where it got on the radar and people started doing it. it was, we started in 82 and before we started, I discovered kind of over, you know, over the few years there, there seemed like there were only two other families in the county doing homeschooling. <laughs> what a bizarre idea that would be nowadays. Orange County, two families are doing homeschooling. <laughs> but when we started, we, you know, we just found other families doing it. We had one other family that kind of started with us. But we found other families. It was amazing how we found each other. And we ended up at the park, you know, sharing our stories. But there were a good dozen families or so that started that year uh, and the others that we didn't know of, but ones that we found. So that's a big jump from two to, you know, at least a dozen or more in one year. So there was something, you know, getting it on the radar, getting people talking about it. Then suddenly, you know, some of some of us early adopters were out there doing it. So that that would lead me to assume that there, there had to be something going on in the background that and it didn't necessarily have to be the same thing, but obviously families had a concern that made them yeah. say, I'm not so sure the public school system is the right option. We need to look at other options. Then they see homeschool. Well, I mean, there, there must have been something going on that had people doing that. There was maybe some of that, but for us, it wasn't that at all. I had uh, Chris and Josh, your, your brothers, in a Christian school, and I was happy with it. And <laughs> we got into it. It was, it was very much a God thing, uh, that there were just weird things that God kept putting in front of me that it was like, pay attention to this. Look at this. Uh, I wasn't looking for another option. Uh, I might have, you know, down the road, I might have been more interested, but at that point I wasn't, you know, oh no, the school is awful. I've got to find something else. We just, um, I started paying attention and then um, I, I, you know, guess a short story here, very strange thing, but it was very pivotal. Um, I was doing a lot of weaving and um, <laughs> Fabric. I remember, uh, I remember yes, okay. this. I've been doing yep. a lot of that stuff. And Kane and Rush. Yeah, well, that and, and fabric and yarn. And, you know, so yeah. there was a gal that I knew only, uh, you know, because of that. And I was going to get together with her one day over at her house. We were going to do something with yarn. You know, it was, um, I know that sounds strange to a lot of people, but, you know, spinning and weaving, dyeing and all that kind of stuff. And so before we, I got over there, you know, she said, oh, yeah. Karen cleans my house. She homeschools her kids. You'll need to talk to her. <laughs> and my mouth, you know, my jaw dropped because I'm just, why would I talk to her about homeschooling? Because we'd never talked about our kids in the homeschooling. That was not a subject that we shared. And why would I want to talk to this lady? You know, it was so weird. It was again, you know, but it was like the third or fourth thing in a line that got my attention. And I did end up talking to Karen. She was one of those two families. She had teens and she'd been homeschooling for a few years. And it just opened my eyes to possibilities that I thought were interesting. And it was like, okay, God, you know, if you want us to try this, okay. And when we started, I had this idea that, well, I'll homeschool for a year and then I'll put them back in school for a year and then I can bring them out for a year and homeschool again. It, you know, it sounds really silly now as I say it, but I honestly thought, that I could do something like that, that would work just fine. So yeah, I went into it for very different reasons. And we were sharing, we shared our stories at those park days and people had very similar stories of God getting their attention. There was a lot of that and less bashing public schools. That really wasn't the big deal. It was a minor issue, but something better. It was more of a positive impetus to do something better with our kids. That's interesting because I mean, right now, especially the last couple of years, so much of the movement to the homeschooling community seems like it's being motivated by the, um, the, the 
concerns and the frustration with the public right. school system. And so if people yeah. were to say, I'm going to go homeschool people, I think in general seem like they're going, oh yeah, of course, because <laughs> all of this stuff is going on, who wouldn't consider that? I didn't realize that there was a more of a spiritual significance to what motivated you guys, at least behind the scenes, that it wasn't a dis, uh, distrust. It wasn't a dissatisfaction. It, it was, was for some people, but, okay. but the, but the spiritual aspect, you, you could see God's hand in it so clearly when, you know, when we were sharing our stories with each other, it was just interesting because we all had these kind of weird stories of why we were doing this and okay. Um, so I always, I always had this sense that the homeschooling movement was something more than just about education, that God wanted to do something. And uh, I saw that as, uh, re, you know, reviving families, uh, a lot to do with family renewal and the education was part of that but it was much more about families that from my perspective. I don't know why I find that a surprise. You know, we've, I've never really asked the questions about the who, what's, the where's and when's of the whole thing. So I, I, the, the main thing that I remember hearing time and time again was uh, learning disability, not disabilities, but learning style differences. And that one of the biggest things I thought that led you guys to want to homeschool was just that you'd realize that surprise, surprise, we all are very different people. We all learn very different. And the school system at the time was so sort of cookie cutter and still is to some degree, to a large degree, that you are seeing that there, there's just the reality of kids are going with untaught or unmet needs in the school system. Mm-hmm. And that homeschooling gives you the opportunity to identify different yeah. school or different different learning styles, different personalities and needs in each kid and then try to accommodate to some degree to help each kid (laughs) and for some reason in in my mind that was the big impetus behind homeschooling so it's kind of interesting (laughs) to have my perspective changed yeah all of a sudden I I think that's well that that was a discovery after the fact I I had been familiar with learning styles I had started the Sunday school program for our church and because of that, I'd really gotten into, you know, how children learn and, you know, that's aspect of it. So I was familiar with that. And, you know, when you you know, your brother, Chris, your older brother, Chris struggled with math, particularly now he did, he was in the, uh, the, the highest reading group at school, but math was a struggle. And especially when it happened, it was always right before lunch in second grade. <laughs> and he was, you know, he was a kid who was full of energy and needed to run around and he'd been sitting at a desk too long. And he had trouble getting his math done. Second grade was really getting to be a problem. And I was making math games and taking him in for the teacher to use. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I was doing things like that because I was aware of learning styles to try and help him out in that area. But it was a minor thing. It was, you know, just, okay, we've got this one little problem area we're working on. But once we started homeschooling, I could just see it big time. I could see, you know, his eyes glazed over when he'd been sitting too long. And that, you know, yeah, send you guys out to run the, you know, obstacle course in the backyard or whatever. But uh, I really had firsthand experience of it across the board and then got much more serious about applying learning styles, talking about it, and writing about it, because that turned out to be an after-the-fact discovery, one of the best aspects of homeschooling. When we started, there was no information. No, you know, it was hard to get curriculum. Publishers wouldn't sell to us. Um, the only publisher that would talk to us was Accelerated Christian Education, ACE. It was called Basic Education back then. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was the only publisher who would talk to homeschoolers and sell them. Uh, none of the other Christian publishers would sell teacher's manuals and you had to go through underground routes to get curriculum. So it was very hard to get things. So I started out on this quest for curriculum because I was very interested in do, you know, finding things that reach different learning styles. And I was just interested in curriculum. And then we shared it to our, you know, our, our typed and photocopied newsletters that we mailed out to each other, snail mail. You know, this is way back. I remember this. And then I started putting together books again, you know, started with, you know, typing and 
then a gentleman uh, volunteered to help me get into the digital age when we first started with computers and uh, being able to transfer FTP files. Uh, I, I was way out of my depth and he came alongside and helped me really who, create. Who was this? Uh, a gentleman named Leo Scott. I don't think you know him. He, he was just a, such a blessing to me way back then because I couldn't have done what I did without his help. When I'm going to, as just a point of view for people that are listening, I'm going to put links to some of the books, your website, the resources, the things you, you, you're participating in and, yeah. and have done because I don't think people yeah. have realized, maybe they have, but there's yeah. so many things that have come from 30, 40 years of being involved in this community um, that are still so valuable to people, whether they're in homeschooling right now or whether they're thinking about it. So we're going to make that available so people can go and and link to, I didn't realize you were still doing them. I knew you were still reviewing, but I thought for some reason you had stopped updating and it was just going to, you're, I'm I'm working, I'm working on a book right now. It's just about killing me (laughs) trying to get it done. And, and this is, I guess, jumping to, to the present. Uh, this shows how much things have changed. I'm trying to write, it's going to be 103 top picks for homeschool curriculum. The last one was 102 top picks. And I wrote that seven years ago. And the market's changed a lot. It it does each time. But I was hoping that I could move everything online. My website's huge. You know, it's an accumulation of reviews over all this time. And we've added features for searching and Uh, applying a lot of the filters to sort things out online, but people still want the books. So I thought, okay, finally, it's time to do another book, but trying to nail down publishers. I, you know, made my list of what I wanted to include in the top picks. And I started contacting the publishers and I am getting this continual stream of, oh, well, we've got a new edition of this one coming out and a new thing of this and a new variation of this every couple of days I'm getting one of these from these publishers it's like trying to nail it down is crazy this is impossible right because it's never going to end you you could update half of them and then the other half are going to be updating yeah but it used to be a slow sleepy market where things took a, a much longer time to change now it's insane trying to just nail it down you know I've got one right now this morning I'm saying well this, you know, this next one's coming out in June. Is that, you know, is it too early? You know, can I put it in there or not? You know, yeah, you know. So uh, that's that's kind of just a reminder of how drastically things have changed from way back then. You know, it's just now we've got publishers, you know, anxious to market to homeschoolers <laughs> versus nobody wants to talk to you. So there's no, there's no infrastructure, like there's no educational yeah. infrastructure. There's um, no there's support. no no yeah there's yeah. no pr- programs there's no curriculum here's yeah. your do these um, potential legal issues I guess as well yeah so homeschool legal defense association didn't start until I think eighty four uh, Mike Smith one of the gentlemen who started it uh, was out here in California at the time and uh, he was involved with those of us here that got. Uh, Christian Home Educators Association of California started in, I think, I think we started that in 1983, really kind of based out here in Southern California. Um, yeah, that's, that's kind of an interesting thing too, because uh, I started, I'm trying to think if this was um, under the CHIA Christian Home Educators Association thing. Anyways, we had our first little, <laughs> You can't call it a, a convention. It was too small. Uh, <laughs> it's a group of I people was, meeting in the back of an IHOP. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think it was, it was the second year and we were all just trying to find curriculum. And so we had classrooms we were using for our church. And so we had one large classroom. And so I set up a day uh, where people would just bring their curriculum, lay it out on tables around the edges of the rooms so and people could come and look at it. Oh, wow. Because uh, What you know, a weird idea. Publisher. Yeah. And we thought there'd be a handful of people coming. We had people lined up down the sidewalk and, you know, people just coming out of the woodwork. We couldn't believe the number of people. And that was, that gave me the idea that, oh, 
we really need a convention. And I had been going to the GLASS, Greater Los Angeles Sunday School Conventions, big, you know, Sunday school conventions that were held every year. And I always love those. I learned so much where they had that combination of workshops and major presentations and publishers displaying things. I said, we need to do something like a glass convention. And so we did. Uh, I had our first convention at the Church of the Open Doors buildings, <laughs> very uh, old, crazy layout. Um, and it was amazing how we pulled that together and we had a big turnout and it was great. So that was, I think, is it 1984? I mean, things really ramped up quickly. It's uh, kind of boggling when I think about it now, what we did in a short time. But people yeah, I needed when, information. I remember when I started traveling with you, and I know the excuse that I was always given was I got to travel with mom around as we went to these homeschool conferences, because if you left me home, my brothers would beat me up, which I'm sure, you know, was probably true. And, um, but I remember going to those and, and it was, it was like, it was already an established reality when, at least when I was going. And I remember I was young when I started going to some of these different conferences, there were so many people and there was so much excitement, but you could tell with the resources that were there, I remember there being not so many. And then it just seemed like every year it was packed and packed and and now you're filling the you know the Disneyland Convention Center is packed to the gills with resources and tables and it just it just seems like it exploded and you were traveling all over the country and it was it was massive so fast at least from what I remember yeah (laughs) well it, it took a few years and you know the different states started forming their homeschool organizations and yeah the sharing because people people were hungry for another way to do things. And again, I think God was in it, uh, you know, all across the country, raising families to do this. And so it was kind of exciting to be in on the ground floor of it all. So along the way, I, I know, because I remember them, and that'll get into a little bit about where the whole Hot House Transplants book came from. But when you guys started, what were some of those oh, yeah. criticisms and concerns? Because <laughs> I remember some of them, um, but but I probably don't know even all of the ones you guys were experiencing back in the beginning. So what were some of the things you were yeah. hearing from people that were, and, and maybe not just criticisms, I'd say start there. I'm curious if there were people outside of the homeschool community that were looking at what you were doing going, wow, this is amazing. But for now, you know, what were some of those... <laughs> What were some of those criticisms that? Yeah, I don't, I don't remember with? any of the, wow, this is amazing. It was more, you guys are crazy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You're ruining your um, families. Right. Yeah. I think most people had that kind of, well, this is so off the wall. You guys are just, you know, you're way out, way out there. Uh, so it was concern. You know, are you going to ruin your kids? Uh, are they going to be too isolated? Uh, I, th- I think most people didn't believe that parents could do a good job educating their children, that school was a much better place for that to happen. Uh, I think it took COVID to wake up a lot of parents to the reality of what actually goes on in a lot of schooling. But um, yeah, that aside, I mean, there are excellent schools. I, you know, there are some exceptions to it, but you know, there's a lot of time wasted. And again, that lack of individualization wastes so much time and discourages so many children. Anyways, that's, that's kind of a side thing. But the legal aspect was a big deal because we operated, we're in California and we operated in a gray area of the law as private schools. We would file a private school affidavit here. We're a private school and you know the state just had to recognize that you were and as long as you, know, you did what you were supposed to it was pretty minimally what um, it wasn't like we had a lot of oversight. We could file the affidavit and pretty much go do what we wanted, maintain our records, and that was it. So lightly, you know, lightly regulated. So that made it easy, but it also left uh, some, like Los Angeles County had a school superintendent who wanted to go after homeschoolers and did try to arrest and uh, really harass homeschoolers. And so it left it to people to decide how they felt about it. 
uh, and whether they were going to harass homeschoolers or not. We were fortunate here in Orange County that we never really got that, but many other counties did. So that was the need for you know the legal defense homeschool legal defense association because people were going to jail in other states you know especially but people were being harassed and that was hard you know you worried about oh is child protective services going to come take my children that's that's a big I remember, deal I remember stories about that people legitimately had social yeah. services coming to their house because somebody called and said you're neglecting your kids or mm-hmm. you're be- and they have to investigate yeah. And from there, and, once once that door was opened, yeah, it was traumatic. Yeah. And often it would be grandma and grandpa who thought oh, their wow. kids were going to be ruined. Your grandkids were going to be ruined. Hmm. That's painful, you know, and um, yeah. <laughs> so that was that was a big concern for probably the first 10 years or more. That was always in the background. And homeschool legal defense is still very active today. Mm -hmm. I know because they're still doing a huge amount relating to that. I mean, they're doing a lot of other stuff, but I know they're they're still involved with similar things, homeschoolers rights in, but it's, I know they're doing a lot more, but they're still very active. So if people don't know about them, they should check HSLDA out for sure. They're working around the world, helping people to gain the freedom to homeschool. And, and that's an uphill battle in some countries. It seems to be going in the reverse direction. In many countries, you can't homeschool at all. So something to appreciate being here in the United States. Yeah, Again, we, f- we forget one, how good we have it. Turns one out, of those freedoms. Okay, so you, so you got legal issues. What, what were some of the other things you guys were dealing with that you were hearing on the negative side from people when you got, got homeschooling going? Well, yeah, you're, you're the only one teaching your children, you know, how can you know everything about everything? You know, how, how can you do this? Um, you know, and some of those are legitimate concerns and we figured it out as we went along. For us, we found other families and we traded talents. We had one other family that was with us through the whole journey. And then other families that came alongside us for, you know, a few years, a lot of years, And each year we'd sit down as families and talk about what we needed to accomplish, what we wanted to do. And we'd look at where we intersected and then divvy up how, who was going to do what. And it was amazing the talents within our group, you know, that one mom had a background in computer programming and taught computer programming to the kids. I think that was the older group. I don't think you got in on that. And that was way back, you know, very interesting. And one mom had a linguistics background, so she did foreign languages. Um, I like to teach writing, so I did writing class. I like to teach math too, so did some of that. And I like teaching the older kids and you know, generally go off that direction and let others do the younger kids. So uh, it, it just worked out amazingly. And then other it, people would come along and we'd just you know, fit it in. One of the things that, and that's, uh, especially as, as people read the stories and they hear the updates from, from the, some of the kids that grew up in the homeschool world, doing, you know, group classes where you got to have another parent teach you was very positive. That's one thing I hear repeatedly from people that that, that was a highlight for a lot of kids. One of the things I loved about that model personally was not to go too spiritual, but for me, when you talk about sort of the 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 biblical perspective about the body of Christ and the community working together as a community through different gifts, different graces towards the overall building up of the body of Christ, the, the, the group class mentality to me fit perfectly. You took the other talents and the skills Mm -hmm. you recognized. I of myself am not sufficient for everything, nor am I supposed to be let's let's benefit from one another and care for one another through our, our skills. And and, and pour into each other's lives. So in hindsight, now I didn't see it as a sort of the spiritual parallel, of course, growing up, I see it looking back far more. And to me, that was always very cool because it sort of acknowledged that no parent is really actually designed to be able to be the all and everything that a kid needs. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a beauty in having other people help and participate. Mm-hmm. Um, in the process and vice versa. So I yeah. loved that. I think that that was yeah. an all around a highlight for most people who went through homeschooling. 
Yeah, we developed great relationships with so many families, um, really tight ones with a number of families, but, you know, so many great families. And you could, um, you could, to an extent, we choose, you know, to be with people, if they're going to be teaching our kids, people who are on the same page with us uh, spiritually. So, you know, that we knew what our kids were getting. Again, you know, a lot of people were concerned about spiritual uh, at the spiritual aspect of education and what worldview are they being taught and that sort of thing. So that was important. It'll be fun. So Mike Thorpe, one of the original writers of, in the book, when we when we do his follow up, it's going to be fun to get his perspective because you know we we grew up with that family and the, yeah. you know their three kids and us because he was in every one of those classes. He was at every one of those parks. I mean, he lived at yeah. our house. In yeah. fact, I'm pretty sure he still owes you guys like thousands and thousands of dollars in costs for all the food he ate at the house. The family aspect of it was so much more important. Another one of those after the fact discoveries that we had so much better family time. We weren't always on the schedule of, you know, having to do, you know, be places at certain times, you know, school every day at a certain time packing lunches, you know, carpooling. When those couple of years where I had Chris and Josh in school, I felt like I lived in the car. Josh was on a half day schedule, Chris on a full day. And it's like, I was just continually shuttling back and forth. You rarely got a good nap. Um, It was, it was ridiculous. Who needs sleep? And so, so, yeah, well, I felt like I stepped out of the rat race, even though we were super busy with homeschooling. It was a much healthier lifestyle for the family. And then I knew what was going on with you guys. I was very in tune with what was happening, you know, in your lives. I knew who your friends were, I knew what you were doing. And we would have discussions, uh, you know, over the years, we, you know, discussions at the breakfast table seemed like one of our, a major aspect of homeschooling that wasn't technically homeschooling. But, you know, you know, reading the newspaper and then, oh, look at this. What's going on? We just launch off into a discussion. But it became so much a part of it. I know you guys used to complain schooling never stops. And that kind of was was the case that everything was ripe for discussion. Everything. <laughs> yes. Even when you go somewhere fun, you have to write an essay on where you were and what you learned. Oh, no, and... I didn't always. <laughs> Maybe you had to do a photo book. <laughs> yes. Photo books. Oh yeah, let's go to Disneyland. Well, we didn't go to Disneyland, but yeah, it was. It did feel like that a, a lot of the time. Like everything was about learning, but that's not bad. Like if if you're if you're walking through your reality in your life and doing all of these different things, not trying to learn or grow from some of them, that's that seems like a waste. So yeah, I mean, I'd have totally loved it at the time, but <laughs> can't complain yeah. about it now. Yeah, well, I think it kind of worked. It was very important in terms of teaching worldview. That was that became an increasingly important thing to me to have you guys understand what it meant to have a, a Christian worldview, where the way you're looking at all of life through that lens of of faith. So, how does it affect the way you think about um, not just religion, but uh, literature and history and politics and the arts and everything. So that was part of the reason everything became fodder for discussion. Yes. Oh, what do you think about that? And why do you think that's happening? And what are those people thinking? What do you think they believe if they're acting that way? Yeah. Lots of discussion. And there, and I don't think a lot of people do that, unfortunately. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't think a lot of people do. That's one of the things that that I think there's a mindset difference between home. Well, this will sound critical. It's not meant to be, but it just seems like sometimes when, when we, when we put our kids into the public school, there is a little bit of this, okay, now I can sort of let it go. And, and I noticed myself doing that because our kids have been in public school recently for a while. And there is a little bit of this, like you detach, like, okay, I don't really have to think about that part of their reality very much. And I remember we were, my wife and I were thinking about that. that, That's not the reality. There needs to be a lot of engagement. So we engage in them a lot about what have you been learning? What have you been thinking? How was your day? What kind of things were going on? Was it good? Was it bad? Oh, you experienced. Let's talk about that, you know. And um, recognizing even if they were in public school, you, you you cannot let go of that reality. They're experiencing a lot of things there that 
you can't just sort of be hands off about you have to be able to engage and, and discuss yeah. with them so well my concern about that is you don't even know all of the things they don't even know everything they're being exposed to yeah. it's the subtleties of worldview that comes through that i think are, are critically important the fact that public schools don't talk about god is hugely important because the fact that God is so unimportant to them that he doesn't factor into anything tells them something about their worldview. You know, there's, Oh, well, God belongs in a box over there that we open on Sundays for an hour or whatever. And that's it. It's like the science God dichotomy. Like God is over here with faith and religion. Science is over here with rational thought and fact and And school. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Instead of recognizing that these are inseparable. Yeah. Yeah major major difference so you've so you've talked okay obviously the legal things it seems like that's changed pretty dramatically for the most part around here um the resources has changed dramatically there seems like there's a myriad of resources almost almost enough to make people choke in fact the the comment i hear more often nowadays is how do you work through all the options and Mm -hmm. um and i know and 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 that's part of the thing i think that's advantageous for what you've been doing because people can go to your website and see what you've done and say, Hey, help you weed through these kids, these ages, these learning, you know, maybe look at these. So, but, um, I remember as a kid, at least two of the biggest ones were, um, social concerns that if your kids aren't socially active in a public school, they will be socially inept or they will be uh, Mm -hmm. dysfunctional in social society. Um, and then another one, well, there were three actually, cause there was the academic concern. Will they be able to function in high school? Is college just out the window completely? Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and I know there's others, but what, what were you guys sort of experiencing about those two issues when you were starting out? I never really worried about the social aspect of it because I could see what was happening that, um, yeah, right from the beginning, we connected up with others and uh, you guys were around people of all ages and were able to interact you know, easily with people of all different ages. And I watched, you know, school kids and from my past experience too, people who are in age segregated groups all through their lives have a more difficult time relating to people who are not from that age segregated group. And so it was immediately apparent, you know, the homeschool kids, you know, were able to talk to people. We'd go to the library. We lived at the library a lot. <laughs> and you we know, do too. Yep. You and you know, you you all had relationships with the librarian. You know, she knew you by name. And you Carol know. Ann Hels Hels Helsel, I think, right? Yeah, I yeah. still remember her. She was wonderful. She was awesome. Um, but she loved you guys. You'd come in. You know, we'd go during the week when there weren't other kids around. But. Um, but those types of things where, you know, you would, you know, talk to adults, look them in the eye. And that was something that became more apparent when we got into the teen years. And I encountered that too, because it's, it's not uncommon to find that teenagers don't communicate well to with adults and don't look them in the eye, you know, just kind of, you know, eyes down, avoidant. Uh, I think they're just uncomfortable. They don't know how to do that. With homeschoolers, it was a very different experience. It's and funny that's because, not that's maybe there are exceptions to that, of course, but by and sure. large. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I have noticed that more recently, there have been multiple times where you will either be in a discussion with a young kid or hear about them. And you just know, at least it sure appears like they were probably homeschooled. And the number one tell is typically how they engage adults, how they can carry on a conversation yeah. with an adult. And, um, and it's been funny to be in a conversation, hear how they're engaging people and go, you're homeschooled, aren't you? And they look at you like, how did you know that? But you could see a difference. And that's not saying public school kids aren't like that. But predominantly, I've noticed there is a pattern yeah. of that ability to engage adults on an adult level in some, in some cases like that. It's, it's actually kind of fun. We have friends that are homeschooled and their, their older daughter, whose reasons age, our daughter's age, She's like that. She can easily carry on conversations with adults. No, no problem. Yeah. It's, it's kind of fun. Yeah. So the social thing, uh, I think we've discovered early on was really an advantage in the homeschooling world that 
uh, we could provide a variety of social situations for them because we used like the YMCA, we used uh, all different kinds of things. We went on lots of field trips, Boy Scouts, yep. a lot of Boy Scouts, you oh, yeah. know. Uh, you guys were in so many different types of social situations. You were exposed to more variety in your interactions than the typical child who spends all their time in a regular school. When so I always felt it was like positive. I always felt like my upbringing was very out of the ordinary, primarily because I was doing so many things traveling with yeah. you. I had a lot of experiences yeah. that a lot of homeschoolers would have never had probably. But yeah, I think in general, the we had a lot of opportunities. Yeah. Socially. Yeah, I remember People, you, for instance, uh, Jane Hoffman, the backyard scientist, loved you and uh, you know had you come do experiments for her for her taking photos for some of her stuff. I I, I have you. one of the books still with my picture on it. It's it's yeah. tucked away where nobody will ever ever see it again because it's highly embarrassing. But oh, I've still got a magazine are, cover with with you and her on don't, it. Don't, so. don't, don't say those <laughs> Should I post it? <laughs> That's horrible. That's childhood. No, but fun, right that fun, it was fun fine. things. Yeah. It was a great, you know, and she's always been concerned about you ever since. She, you know, she still, you know, has fond thoughts of you. So. It's mutual. Yeah. She's, she was always, she's always a blast. Okay. So yeah. And it's, what's amazing is, as you're describing a lot of these things that you guys were dealing with, it's almost not even an issue at this point, because in the homeschool world now, there are so many things available even though we didn't even just, we didn't touch on sports for us, sports, organized sports was more difficult, but there were tons of options. We got to do so many different things. Yeah. And nowadays it's uh, where we are in middle Tennessee, the, the options for homeschools, it doesn't matter. I mean, there's so much available. So a lot of people I don't think realize what an incredible change it is and, and, and how much opportunity there is and how much easier it is nowadays. So, so, so well, back, you know, I want to, I want to say something about that because I think it's gotten to be a problem. There's so much available that families are signing up for so many different things, you know, and it, it, sometimes it can put the academics in the backseat. You know, you've got, oh, we've got dance class and we've got, you know, ballet, we've got music, we've got art, we've got science, we've got coding class, we've got all of these things going on because we can sign up. And oftentimes in states like California, the government will pay for homeschoolers to go to classes like that. and. Uh, I, it turns out to be a real detra detraction from the main event. So uh, I, I, I have serious concerns about it, especially the government-funded programs. Yeah, that was a, a government nannies. Yes, was that the, the book? It was. It was based upon yes. that idea of the voucher system, with the government basically providing the finances for these uh, families to use government money into the private schooling system, I think. And it kind of gave government an inroad. Yeah. I get, that's a whole nother topic. That, yeah. That was one, but, only one <laughs> aspect of that book, but that was because government intrusion was starting to really uh, become a big issue. That was in the mid nineties when I wrote that. And I was concerned from the homeschooling perspective, but also from the family perspective. Yeah. 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 Well, here we are. It's gotten a lot worse. Everything I wrote about there has turned out to be real big issues. Yeah. It, it, it's fascinating to me because Although the Hot House Transplants book and the idea with it, it's not that it's narrow, but it's kind of focused. I have yeah. sort of struggled with the idea of, of doing podcasts and we may end up on these sorts of things. Because I agree, I think, uh, I think some of the homeschool community has bought into a lie about the participation and the busyness and the activity. And, mm -hmm. and it's not just the homeschool community. I think it's a cultural thing about yes. realizing that time with people is more valuable than being busy doing a lot of things sometimes that, that, right. that, that the relational is missing out of a lot of the busyness. But mm -hmm. um, again, that's, we'll see one of these days it's, it's yeah. near and dear to my heart because it's been so much a part of what I've been learning about. But anyways, I digress yeah. at this point. Um, yeah. Well, back on the main, the main thing that, you know, you use the term hothouse transplants and that was the title of that original book. And that was one of the concerns. It, it started to, arise more as a criticism as kids got older, as we continued to homeschool through the high school years, right. because people had assumed, and some people did put their kids back in school for high school because of Dr. Moore's advice. And, you know, some of the earlier homeschoolers did, 
But we reached that point and I thought, you know, we're just, it's just really getting interesting because, you know, brains are developing and we were getting into deeper ideas and the dis discussions were getting more interesting. We're more seriously into worldview. And I thought, why on earth would I put them back in now? It's just getting really fun. <laughs> so, Which is fascinating because, because our oldest, she's about to turn 15 and she's been in the public school system for just the last couple of years, which I think that was the right thing for her. This year, she's chosen to go to what they call in a tutorial, which is basically it's homeschooling. You go two days a week and there are teachers that teach you different classes. It's, it's school. And the other three days a week, they give you as a do your homework, do your studying. And I've told her she has to get a job as well, which she seems OK with. But that's just the reality. Um, and um, but you're doing that through a Christian school, I think. Isn't that right? It's through a Christian school. Yeah. It's basically a Christian homeschool. And part of that was because we've been having so many great discussions with her as she's been going through junior high, really good ones. She'll come home and I, I've been sort of blown away at the level of maturity and the things she's dealing with there. Some things are just sort of why on earth would junior hires be talking about these things at all? <laughs> um, but that's, it's so much fun to talk to her at 15 about these very yeah. deep and she's brilliant. Like it's, it's frightening how brilliant she is. But that's part of what I love the most is yeah. getting to engage her. We, we were having it. She had asked me something about what a Christian conservative was. Um, and so I just shared with her my perspective on what I think a conservative is, is supposed to be about and what different perspectives are. And it was fascinating because she immediately went into uh, the, the comparison between that and the founding fathers and what, the, <laughs> what did they design for the, the, the creation of the United States and what was their vision. And she was comparing what I was sharing with her now. And that's where she jumped. And it was so cool. Like, yeah, what a neat thing. I'm talking with my kid about the founding fathers and her perspective on um, where they were coming from. And yeah, I, I wouldn't, you know, philosophy of government, so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. And that got into, and, and, and if people don't aren't aware of, but Prager University, we love Prager University because same thing. These are just great resources that they're talking about these things. And she loves Prager University. She's watching these videos and learning and that we yeah. get to discuss. I love that getting discussed these things with my kids. It's so much fun. Our middle okay. son, Luke, isn't really at that place. He, you know, he's got, <laughs> that's okay. He will, he will. He'll get there because there, but... he's, he's very thoughtful. He's, he's got to, oh, yeah. he's anyways, but yeah. yeah, that, and that was, the concern that a lot of people had was that our children would be so sheltered uh, that they would not be able to function in the real world. Yep. And again, like the social aspect, it turned out to be the opposite. When yep. homeschoolers started graduating and moving out into the real world, they did just great. And it wasn't too long before colleges were starting to recruit homeschoolers instead of, you know, worrying about, oh, preferring you know, them. Yeah. Because yeah. they had learned to learn independently, uh, to think, I, I don't, you know, again, generalizations, but homeschoolers seem to be better equipped for the college life. So, yeah, for frame of reference, if people don't know, so the, the first podcast is an introduction to the hot house transplant, where it came from. And the, and the bottom, the, the bottom line for it was, it came out of this exact question. And we were in Orlando at a homeschool leadership conference. Yeah, homeschool leadership conference. And this is where this came out of was there were so many concerns. And this is 25, this is 25, 26 years ago now. So um what I was 18, 17. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's crazy. And and that was the that was the discussion was a lot of the thinking was that if you homeschool your kid and if you go through high school, are they gonna just completely implode? And and the phrase was always when they go to the real world that we heard that repeatedly. And there was this idea that, okay, well, homeschool away, but just be aware that when the kid has to face real life, they're probably going to just self-implode. And I don't think we, in fact, I know we didn't believe that <laughs> at all to the contrary at that point. And that was the point of the book was, this is not only not true, it's the opposite of the truth, which is homeschoolers were excelling and doing fantastic. Yeah. And the comparison was, being being transplanted from a hot house into the real world that's where the the title actually came from and so the stories that that yeah. the, i mean they weren't even kids but these young adults wrote were sort of an attempt to say 
no, the narrative you might be hearing isn't true. Here's 15, 16 stories of students who grew up in the homeschooling world and look at who they are now. And part of what's so cool to me is like, I know where a lot of them are now because I'm already catch, catching up with them, but I can't wait for people to hear, okay, they were in their late teens, early 20s. You won't believe where some of these people are now in their 40s. And it's mm-hmm. so amazing. And I think it completely justifies yeah. all of the confidence that people had in the beginning about homeschooling, because there's no yeah. way to argue some of these stories. This is like a 25 yeah. year case study. Well, yeah. more because it's 40 years of their life. Yeah. And I think it really puts to rest because these aren't, these aren't sort of like a small group. This is a wide selection of different kinds of people. And, um, yeah. and, and, you know, well, you were all... seeing it. Yeah. We were seeing it personally. Well, your, your brother, Josh, he's a couple of years older than you. And he was always ahead of schedule on schooling. And he took the California high school proficiency exam when he was 14, which technically made him a high school graduate. Right. So then he could start taking classes at the junior college. Yep. He had to interview with the dean and you know, dean had to make sure he seemed intelligent enough to do it. And um, he loved history. He, he studied history on his own. And he found a professor over at the college that he liked and took a number of classes with him. And he ended up with a tutoring job over at the junior yep. college. And he was tutoring students much older. He wasn't, it wasn't obvious how young he was, but <laughs> here's this kid who should have been in high school tutoring over at the college. Well, and, and so not just that. Was that. not unusual. Yeah. Not just that. When I got to junior college, so Professor David Moore, who was our favorite teacher, history teacher. I'm sure he's not there at this one. Maybe he is fantastic. But when I got to college and I got into history classes, I was getting the question, oh, are you Josh Duffy's brother? Like they knew Josh already. And that wasn't just him. It was other history teachers. They all knew him and he had tutored or taught or whatever for a lot of these. He had a, a pretty fantastic reputation already. And at that point, I mean, he could have only been 1920 because I was doing some of those classes so yeah he had a great reputation yeah he was he was by 18 he was he was doing tutoring 17 18 he was doing the tutoring so yeah but Josh wasn't all that unusual (laughs) it was just that we saw that over and over again with other homeschoolers and so that's kind of what got us talking about that it's like people think that but let's just tell some stories you know and that's, that's where that came from. And I think that conference, a number of those young people were there at that conference. And that's probably what got us thinking about it. When it was funny, because a lot of the homeschool conferences that I went to with you were, there was always a group of us that were kids of people there. And so yeah. we got to see each other on a regular basis. And that was always a blast because you'd get there and you'd, you'd hang out with these kids that you actually were getting to know. And, and um, that was part of the fun of it. Yeah. So. So we touched a little bit on some of the current concerns because you'd already talked about, you know, with the abundance of things that are out there that people are almost getting involved too much. If, as you sort of have seen it this whole time, but you look today, what are some of those concerns that you see with the homeschool community today or, or challenges maybe? Oh, my biggest concern is homeschoolers getting into homeschooling through the government paid programs. We battled for the freedom to homeschool without government control in those early years. And again, people went to jail for that. And now people see no problem with taking government funding and enrolling in government and enrolling in those programs. And the story I hear over and over again, the justification is not that the not that their children are getting better academic education because of those programs, but because of the extras, because now we have right. the money for those extra classes, the, the sports, the dance, whatever it is. That's the justification that I hear. That bothers me because they're giving over control of their students' education because technically, legally, you cannot teach anything about God, faith, religion, worldview in 
uh, in classes that you're teaching under the auspices of the government schools, and that's what you are. You're considered public school students. So basically, what programs. What you're saying, just to make sure I understand, if if you're like in some of the cases that you're doing, um, um, uh, oh, what's the word for it? They're not tutorials. Um, there's other kind of, but but you basically instead of the money from the state going to the public school system, they give it to you, and then you can use it for um, a Christian homeschool organization. Well, that would or, be a voucher. Yeah. Okay. And and there's not a lot of vouchers going directly, but charter schools. Charter. That was the word I was. Those are the those are the ones that are really yeah. and in some states it's it's a little different virtual schools and whatever, but whatever yeah. the government pays for it. So if you enroll. if you decide to go to a charter school, the money that would go from the government to pay goes to those, but then that obligates those charter schools to follow certain guidelines, in which case could be no God, no faith, yes. no Christian worldview. Okay. Yes, I just want to clarify absolutely. because I don't think yeah. that's not necessarily known by a lot of people that 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 yeah. is going on in the background, that it seems yeah. like, oh, I can get this money and we can go to a charter school. Fantastic. Yeah. It's a win, win, yeah. win. Yeah. Not realizing that could be going on and affecting sort of the the, the core of the identity of that charter school. Yeah. Okay. Right. And then there's an ethical problem for a lot of Christian families that work with, you know, a, there's a teacher who oversees their program and the teacher is supposed to be responsible for making sure they adhere to the legal guidelines. But some of those teachers will look the other way while homeschoolers, you know, use their Christian curriculum and write something else down on their reports, you know, so oh. <laughs> in effect lying about what they're doing so they can keep the government money coming in. So, you know, that that's a huge compromise that I hate to see people doing. I mean, it just really undermines your Christian witness when you do things like that. But it's very common. So, you know, people say, well, my, my teacher said it's okay. I can do whatever, you know, I can just do this and write down something else. Mm, no. Interesting. I didn't know that that was going on. Yeah, that's a major problem. So I, you know, again, I think about the battles people went through for educational freedom and then people are willing to give it away for you know funding for their sports or you know some extra i you know it's <laughs> it's offensive to some of us who've been there through the battles <laughs> and it makes more sense i think when you realize what's what it took and what it was like in the beginning um, I think if you don't realize that it, it probably is yeah. pretty easy to take that for granted, like, Oh, we can just do this. And yeah, but that's like most things, things are fought for one way or the other. And you may not realize who fought for it and what it was like to get there, but there are people like you that sort of paved the way so that the people now could enjoy homeschooling for what it is. Um, but that came from somewhere and that was a lot of work and a lot of sacrifice mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of, a lot of pros, a lot of cons. So I don't, yeah, yeah, I don't think a lot of people realize, and that's part of why I wanted to do this with you is because right now, I mean, and I guess it's been going on for a little bit, but homeschooling seems like it's, it's exploding again. Mm-hmm. And I know, I'm sure a lot of that is because of the issues that have arisen. It was COVID people were forced into those circumstances. Um, and then they're, they're dissatisfied with the public schools or teaching and all that. But I think it's really good for people to see sort of the background of, of what has been going on. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, it's a different way to appreciate how good we actually yeah. have it, yeah. but also Look, to be a little bit aware and, and protective yeah. of those areas that we need to watch out for. Yeah, there's another distortion to the homeschool market that's happened because of the government funding for so many people that because you know those families have you know $1,000 or more a year to spend per child, that's a lot more money than... Uh, the family who's working on their own typically has. Yep. So with the extra money, they've been buying programs where these monthly subscription boxes come in a lot. I can't believe the proliferation of those kinds of programs, you know, get your science kit, your art kit, whatever, each month, a new one mailed to you. These are really expensive options, but a lot of those have come up because there's money there, you know, the, the, People will publish as long, you know, whatever the market will bear. At the same time, some of the other curriculum has gotten more expensive because a lot of people can't afford it with government money. And that squeezes out 
those on a limited budget, then they've got to, they've got fewer options compared to other people. And then I also see some of the publishers who have had Christian products taking the Christian content out of their products so they can sell to charter schools or government funded programs. Hmm. And in some cases it's no big deal and others it is, but it again, dis it discourages publishers from creating Christian curriculum that can only be used by a small segment of the market when there's so much uh, money out there for programs that don't have Christian content. So it distorts the market and that could get worse. That's interesting. I didn't, I didn't know a lot of that was going on. It makes perfect sense that it's going on out there. Yeah. And probably but, most people aren't aware. I just, you know, from my perspective, I'm aware, you know, publishers let me know, Oh yeah, well we've changed, you know, because now we're doing this. Um, yeah. Well, that's why I think, I think your input is so interesting because you, you, there's these different levels to the homeschooling community. Most everybody's at one level. Then there's a few people that understand what's really going on and what that world and how it operates underneath. And you're one of the only, well, you're one of the few people I know that understand what really goes on and how the whole world really operates that allows everybody to do the homeschooling that they may want to do. And, and that's a huge world. And, and like you said, with your website being so huge, that's sort of a testament that there's so much out there that people don't even realize. Um, I think very few people realize how that whole thing sort of operates and how it came together. Yeah. That's kind of, it's a little bit overwhelming to think about actually. <laughs> but. Yeah, it, it, it is overwhelming. You know, on the curriculum end, it, did, it got so overwhelming at one point, that's when we started um, creating a, the advanced search tool we put onto the website so that people could filter, like I have a fourth grader, I want American history for a fourth grader. Because, you know, if there are, you know, 300 reviews for different history resources, and you've got to find fourth grade American history among them, you can't hardly do it without the filters. And, and who can afford to get one or two and try them out, see if they work, send them back. <sighs> but that's the reality. I know people that'll, that, hence the sharing, the lending libraries, you know, trying these things out. It's, yeah. It's, it's almost impossible to know, will this even work for my kids? I, I see the appeal, like right now, the tutorial has exploded, the tutorial option. Right. Because that, because it's so overwhelming for, I think, a lot of homeschooler families to, mm -hmm. to make those decisions because, mm -hmm. and this, I don't want to go down this road too much. You and I have talked about this, but it gets into the pressure that I think it's applied to the parents. You have one shot to pick a, you know, a curriculum for this kid, for this age group, hopefully it's the right one because you got one shot at this age and this curriculum and then you're moving on. And uh, mm. that's such a burden sometimes, you know? And so trying to pick yeah. from this huge variety of things out there, hope you get one so you don't mess your kid up. Yeah, you know, that's, I, I know that's yeah. in the background somewhere. For I, I know, I know that's, you know, and I had that concern at some point, but I realized I was adapting just about everything that I used. Right. And I think uh, a lot of parents, most parents probably do to some extent, and you can get away with, you know, using a curriculum that's far from perfect by adapting, you know, supplementing, skipping parts of it. And, you know, part of it is just giving parents permission to do that. <laughs> Sometimes they don't feel right. like, they, and again, if they're working under a, a government program or something where somebody's looking over your shoulder, they don't have the freedom oftentimes to adapt right. the way they need to do. But I think, again, one of the beauties of homeschooling, you know, and if you're doing something, yeah, there are times where a curriculum is so bad, such a misfit for your situation, it's better to junk it. There really yep. are. Yep. But most of the time you can do some kind of adapting and make it work. One of the things, and then we can, we can conclude because I know you have other things going on, but what, one of the things that's going to be fun for people to hear is the the those of us that grew up homeschooling, how many of them then decided to homeschool and the similarities between how they were homeschooled versus how they're homeschooling their own kids, yeah. because they're taking what they've experienced and, and pulling from that. And a lot of them are then yeah. using that same exact approach because they have such a positive experience. And some of them are taking and saying, well, I didn't really like this. I'm not doing that. 
but it is fascinating to see and connect the yeah. dots of how yeah. were you raised? What were the pros and cons? What are you doing? Yeah. What are the pros and cons? And kind of get that authentic view from them having yeah. been a homeschool kid and now being in some cases homeschooling yeah. their kids. And some of the stories want nothing to do with homeschooling, which, <laughs> which to me are some of the great stories because I want to hear, you know, what was that experience like and, yeah. and what's, what's driven them one way or the other. And some are, um, you know, most, most yeah. people's initial response is there's some pros, there's some cons, which I think is perfectly fair. Um, yeah, but it's I think it's fascinating. Yeah. I think it's interesting too. And I, I'd like to hear the stories because if it's the wife who's doing most of the homeschooling, does her homeschooling experience or not dominate what goes on? Right. How much inputs do the dads have? You know, you know, are sometimes the dad's the primary educator. Yep. So, uh, you know, it's the background of who's doing the primary educating probably that influences more, I think, but I'd like to explore that. I'd be curious. So yeah, there's stay, a question to ask. Stay people. tuned because yeah. <laughs> there's, I'm excited because there's so many totally unique, fantastic stories that I think people are going to be surprised to hear. Yeah. Yeah, what they came from and what they're doing and why. And then there's yeah. some others that are just going to sort of be from left field that yeah. are really, they're so cool. So I, yeah. I can't wait for people to be able yeah. to hear. It's not all perfect. Uh, you know, we know that, you know, all homeschoolers don't, <laughs> aren't successful, aren't wonderful, aren't perfect. That's, you know, it's not, no, there's no guarantee to it, but um, yeah, this should be very interesting. I'm looking forward to hearing them. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you taking the time to share all this. I, I, I have a suspicion that could, because I have other topics, I think we're going to be having you come back because I, <laughs> I have other things that I think as the stories come out, we're going to yeah. see some patterns and I don't want to talk about them yet, but I want to yeah. see if they come out the way that I think they're going to come out. It'll be so fascinating to come back and have discussions about some of these patterns that have yeah. emerged and okay. uh, so we'll see what happens. It's like spoiler alerts. So. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thank you okay. so much. I appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank Have you. Have a great day. Okay.